0: as we look together at your word, that you will speak to us, that we will know that we have met with you this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to ask you a question, alright, sit up straight, I was a school teacher. Okay, the statement is this, it's great to be part of St Michael's Chiswick. There we are, at least Martine agreed with me, so uh, that's good. And the question is this, have you had a numinous experience? And now I can see people saying, oh, what? You are in good company. I first discovered that word, which is a favourite word of mine, <clears throat> when I was at Theological College. Our principal had been giving us um, a lecture, and he got to the end of the lecture and we were waking each other up. I mean, he wasn't the best uh, lecture, lovely man. But, uh, and he said, what I want you to do before next week is to write an essay on a numinous experience that you have had. So we all said yes, and wrote down numinous experience. And then when he left the room, instead of saying, I'm going to tell him about this, I'm going to tell him about that, we all looked at each other and said, Any idea what that means? And not a single one of us had ever heard the word before. Amazing. What it means, and uh, that being the days before Google, we had to wait until we looked it up in the dictionary, it means having an experience of God. An experience that is quite awesome, that makes you think, God spoke to me, or God is here. And in my experience, it can come in a number of ways. Either, as it happened to a friend of mine, as a sense of peace. He was not a believer, but he was in Notre Dame Cathedral with his wife. She wanted to look around. He didn't. He sat down in a chair. He said it was very noisy, but he suddenly felt a sense of peace. And he says, it happened to me in another church we looked around. I said, I think somebody's trying to speak to you or it can come as it did to Nehemiah, the story we've been looking at. There's a sudden sense of something that goes on inside you and you think, I know something's wrong and I know I've got to do something about it. That's what happened to Nehemiah. If you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins and that the people who lived there uh, were discouraged and in a bad way and that they were a laughing stock to the nations around. And he felt God speaking to him that something had to be done about this. He was cupbearer to the king of Persia, Artaxerxes. What a great name, unless you had to spell it. wasn't it really. And uh, he had to approach the king and ask for permission to go back well, not to go back he'd never been to jerusalem he'd grown up in exile to rebuild the walls and the king previously forbidden such a thing to happen gave him permission and even him soldiers to protect him and letters as a sort of passport to him and our reading today he's arrived in jerusalem and for three days he he's done nothing and then on the third night he decides to go out now what I've got for you this morning are three shuns and the first is action he's a man I'm sorry he's a man of action is Nehemiah but before he goes into action he wants to check out everything and so what he does he waits till it's night I guess people in Jerusalem are saying, who's this guy with all the soldiers? What's he doing here? He's come from the emperor, but he's Jewish. He's one of us, isn't he? What have we done wrong? Why are the soldiers here? He doesn't say anything. But he goes out at night when nobody's watching to just check how big the job is. What has to be done? And when I was reading it this week, something really struck me. It says, Then I got up during the night. I had a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. And it was one word there that, however many times I've read this, and Nehemiah is a hero of mine, it's that word, my. My God has put something in my heart. He's had a numinous experience of God and God has put in his heart there's something wrong and you have to do something about it. And what really struck me here was here was somebody who really knew his God. We know that when he first heard about Jerusalem he prayed for months. And then he prayed that God would help him with the king and then in front of the king he sent up what I think was a quick, silent prayer. He was a man of prayer, but he was a man of action as well. Some people say, oh, I haven't got time for all this prayer business. I'm a person of action. I like to get on with things. So, so was Nehemiah. So was Jesus. But Jesus prayed sometimes all night before going into action the next day. And it's when we have time for God. In prayer, in reading His words, in coming to church, that sometimes God speaks to us and says, "This is what I want you to do," and He challenges us. And He's challenged Nehemiah to go into action. You know, Richard Rohr, the uh, the Catholic uh, spiritual writer who's very popular in these days, runs um, an organization for action and contemplation because the two go together you contemplate you pray you listen to god to discover what you want to do as i've been reading this story i've been saying god you're saying something to me you're nagging me about something what is it but first comes our relationship with god where's your relationship with god Do you give him time? Do you listen to him? Do you let him speak to you? Because my experience is that he does. So what is the next show? inspiration? Having checked out, and it's a mess, the city walls, he now goes to the leaders of the city, the nobles, the priests, um, the leading figures, and he says i've come to rebuild the walls and they're thinking have you seen the state of them and he can say yes i went round and had a look you know that we've been forbidden to rebuild the walls what's the point but what he says is no god has made the way clear for me and he tells them how God has changed the king's mind about this. And he says, I have permission from the king to build these walls. But what really gets to them, I think, is what he says here is not, well, the walls are down, you're vulnerable. But he says, let's end our disgrace. How is it a disgrace to have the walls down? because i guess people were looking at them and saying you jews you say you're god's chosen people but look at your capital city it's in ruins you say your god is with you well he didn't protect you did he and he's not doing anything for you at the moment our name's being dragged in the mud he says and god's name is being dragged in the mud and we've got to put a stop to this that's his message And it's a powerful one as I've been reading this. I've been thinking about what people's opinions of the church is. We've had so much bad publicity over the last 20 years or so. Probably longer about than that. And when people think of the church, it's often in negative terms. It's out of touch. What about all this business about women you're out of step with the rest of the world why do you object to women priests women bishops you're out of step what about the scandals about abuse what about all the money you have and and so on and so forth and we are i thought it's like we're in disgrace and god is saying do something about it change it Do some rebuilding, just as he said to Nehemiah. And you know what? This is why I say, isn't it great to be part of St Michael's Chiswick? Believe it or not. I hope you do believe it. Because we are a small church, big building, small church. But I made it this. Some of the things that we do, some of the things we're involved with, the night shelter, food bank, building a classroom for Hope school in Biloewa, the street party that reaches out to the neighbours, the pancake party, I couldn't believe how many people I didn't know came last year. I think I did manage to get a pancake, but there we are. Alphabets, the Bible reading group, the Christian meditation group. Alpha. The dropping centre to help our neighbours with forms and computer skills and so on that we're planning on on setting up. The welcome that I hope we always give to strangers who come in. Do you know all those things are saying we are relevant? We are trying to help our neighbours. We are trying to reach out, reach out, and all those things are rebuilding. And I think how great it is to be part of a church that's, in, that's doing those things. It is great. And we can sit back and we can think of everything that's wrong. And that's okay, because we want to put things right. But actually, it's a great privilege that God has called us to be part of a church that is doing rebuilding for him. Doing work to repair the name of his church that's exciting. The third thing, the third shun, is opposition. There was opposition from these characters who will come up time and again. So I'm not going to dwell on this. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they don't want it to be rebuilt. And they said, you're not going to do this. You're defying the king. How dare you? They don't want to see this actually israel was surrounded by hostile nations so they were very vulnerable and to have these enemies powerful enemies around them was frightening there's always opposition there was a church in north kensington a few years ago which closed and the parish was taken over by the next door church but the next door church said we're going to reopen church which is closed, but we're going to make it a church and community centre. But we need to do some work on the building. So they tried for uh, to get some money, to raise some money and to go to various funds. They included the local authority. And this is where they met the opposition. Because they said, we want to start opening this as a church and a community centre, so sharing the needs of this very needy community. And the local authorities said we think that's a great idea but we can't possibly give you any money for it and so they said why and they said because it's a church building and you've got a cross over the door and that makes it offensive to other faiths we can't be seen to be funding you that's opposition isn't it so the church, they were wise they did a survey of the other local faiths who were mostly muslim Muslims and Hindus, who were astonished at this decision, and they said, we would expect a church to have a cross over the door, we're not offended. And I love his uh, Nehemiah's reply to those who oppose him, the God of heaven is the one who will give us success, and we his servants are going to start building. But you have no share or claim or historic right in Jerusalem. We are going to rebuild this, so shut up and mind your own business, is what he says to them. We are doing God's work and we're going to do it, and God is with us in this. That's why I find him an inspiration. Because they are more than than there are Jews in Israel and Jerusalem. But he says, God is with us. And what we are doing in our lives as Christians must begin with our relationship with God, of knowing him and giving him time. And we know him more and more as we pray, as Nehemiah did, as we know his word, as Nehemiah did, because remember his prayer in chapter one, he reminds God of the promises that he finds in the books of the Lord. Of meeting together as Christians, as sharing in communion, and making it a real time of saying thank you to God for what he's done for us. And then as we go out from here, or as we work here uh, a church, of saying God is with us, we're going to rebuild and we're going to go forward i'm competitive i like winning my team is playing manchester city this afternoon i fear we're going to lose but with god we won't lose if we trust him not in football but if we trust him in the church we will win we will make a difference And we will end the disgrace. Let's pray. God be with us. Help us to be inspired by this wonderful servant of yours, Nehemiah. Father, put deep into our hearts the faith that you are with us and that you stand with us and will help us to win the victory for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.